Do you like to binge watch TV? Did you know you could binge listen to podcasts? Head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days. You like podcasts about wrestling? They have that. Do you like podcasts about TV and film? They have that. Do you like podcasts about horror? EMC has that too. Do you like comedy? Do you like books? Guess what? They've got you covered. Head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today. Hey, Paul, look over there at the size of that moose. Son, that's no moose. That there is a pile of bullspit. to this very special edition of Bullspit with Moose. I'm your host, Moose. Joining me today is someone who, well, he wrote the book on probably the most controversial topic in entertainment in the last five years. So please welcome Managing Director from Cinema Blend and the co-host of The Real Blend Podcast and author of Release the Snyder Cut book, Mr. Sean O'Connell. Hi, Moose. How are you? I'm doing great. You have an awesome voice. Thank you. It's really cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you a lot of hats that you wear. I mean, working over at Cinema Blend, plus you have, you know, you're on, would you call it the, like, companion podcast, essentially? Oh, yeah. It's definitely Cinema Blend's official podcast. Uh, we tried to launch a few of them over the years. One was called Hero Blend. That lasted for a little while. And then we did Real Blend and we wanted to just do it as like a weekly sort of entertainment news type thing. But it's become a really good portal for directors to come by and talk long form about their movies because they normally do this um, like a junket system where they do four minute interviews and directors don't want to talk for four minutes. They want to expand on, you know, their vision sort oh, of thing. Most definitely, yeah. Yeah. So this has been a good spot for them to come. It's, hey, it's fun to really sit down and listen to because like you said you get a chance to get in-depth you know, you get the in-depth stories that yeah you get a you, you can read a lot of them over at cinema blend because you guys cover a lot of stories but to actually hear them from the person is a completely different experience i definitely think so but let's uh cut to the book i mean the book that's five, has been five years in the making. I mean, what possessed you to sit down and write the book on the release the Snyder Cut movement? Uh, I mean, you're right in the fact that it's just been one of the most controversial stories that we've seen. I've been doing this for almost 20 years, and I've never seen anything like this whatsoever. You know, it, it's a it's a weird sidebar story in an already massive like this is the golden age of comic book movies you know yeah. like they're all the studios want in on comic book properties and obviously marvel and dc are the two biggest ones so when dc is doing a justice league movie but then their director has to leave and he gets replaced you know by the rival director like that's a fascinating story and then for it to turn out as as horrible as it did like that's an interesting story and then like just the idea of, of fans staying organized for for more than three years to keep their eye on the prize and, and fight to get this director's vision restored. 
every element of this is fascinating to me. So I, I had not wanted to write a book prior to this, but but once this all sort of played out, I was like, I'm going to sit down and and just put this together, and and it really took shape. Well, and this kind of plays down into a historical piece because you've now logged, you know, the last five years of this movement mm-hmm. and it's had it, many detractors and it, it it's interesting because whether you were for the release or not, this has been a historical moment. Most creators don't get to go back and complete what they started. Right. So for this to happen, I mean, is completely unheard of. Well, and think about how many movies you've heard of over the years that have had some sort of creative upheaval. And you're exactly right. Like the industry just moves on, you know, and sort of surfs past them. Like the example I've been using lately is like Phil Lord and Chris Miller were working on that solo movie. And whatever creative hurdle they hit with Kathy Kennedy or whoever at Lucasfilm, like they they left the project and they got replaced by Ron Howard. And he made a perfectly fine film, you know, but if people really want to know what those guys were going to do with with Han Solo, you know, then they turn around and they go and do Into the Spider-Verse, which is like reinventing that character. Like, I think they could have done something just as bold and original for Han Solo. Right. They didn't get a chance to. They didn't get the opportunity. But with Snyder, you know, he had another movie. He had an alternate cut. And and he convinced his fans over the course of three years, like, don't give up, keep fighting. This could this could actually happen. And so to see it happen, it's just like this whole week has been incredible. I say it's it's been very mind boggling. You know, obviously, like the final Snyder cut wasn't there originally. You know, right. he had most of a movie ready. You know, most of a movie ready to go. Final editing wasn't done. And it wasn't a, like a polished project yet. So. Here we are, fast forward five years. And, well, take it back. A couple years ago, HBO announces it's going to have a streaming service. Right. And they need big draw. Yeah. Snyder Cut's perfect for it. Sidebar on that, I think moving forward, streaming movies would be perfect for Zack Snyder's visions he is well suited for the streaming medium because he likes the the sweeping epics and everything that that, that fit better into the stream from home style yep well and think about it like a, a show like watchmen you know that lasted for a season told a pretty large story with a bunch of significant characters didn't have to stick around for multiple seasons like we're used to now you know a show coming on existing in a limited series and and moving on. And with Zach too, like all of his movies up to this point, all of the extended cuts have been the better versions, whether it's Watchmen or BVS, obviously now with Justice League, like that dude needs three hours just to get ramped up. Oh yeah. So give him the freedom to do it. You know, let him tell those stories. I say, yeah, there's, especially in this, there's a lot of buildup in the first couple hours. It's that last like hour and a half, two hours where you really get, the you know meat not, not really the meat you get the like the the juiciness of this movie the rest of it's just kind of been the meat and the fulfillment of the story right right and it's that last like two hours where you're just like 
oh shit, you know, w- w- what am I watching? But he pay- he lays the groundwork for all of it, you know, like it all pays off later. Oh yeah, it, I mean, it's laid out gorgeously to the point where, and even if there, even if he doesn't move forward, if DC doesn't move forward with him, it's from start to finish, it's laid out to you wanting, leaving you wanting more. Right. And that's how it should be. You know, Agree. not spoon fed. Uh, say after you know, I watched both versions yesterday, six hours of justice league was a lot, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I know you've, you've logged over 20, uh, <laughs> but having watched it, I think there's a place for both versions. Oh, that's interesting. And in that, I think the Whedon cut is good for your kids. Okay. Like, if your kids want to sit down and watch Justice League, pop in the Whedon cut. Okay, I see that. You know, that, that's a good movie for them. As you get a little bit older and you're looking for a more substantial story, you're looking for a more meaty movie with, like I said a little bit ago, a sweeping epic, Snyder Cut's the way to go. Yes. But if you're just looking for, oh, comic book movie, Whedon Cut all the way. Yeah, I understand that much at least because I'm with I'm of the mindset that we should never discuss the theatrical cut again. Like. <laughs> Well, you're right. Like, I wouldn't sit, you know, a six or six or seven year old down in front of the Snyder Cut. It's just not it's not for them. My eight year old made it, I think, an hour and a half into it. And he's like, oh. I'm out. It's pretty far. <laughs> he's like, I'm done. Far. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think the uh, the Whedon Cut's a good, like, cut your teeth into this movie. And then you're like, oh, you liked that? Well, here watch yeah. this right 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 and then you can knock them back and be like oh but if you're a fan who's loved man of steel and bvs ultimate edition like this is the natural sequel that you were expecting to get right back in 2017 it's so much more in tone than from that. the opening scene yeah yes now you, you you've been caught in the middle of the the snyder fans and the some some would say toxic Snyder fans when it came mm-hmm. to your book, you know, Oh, you, you know, cause I've seen, Oh, you're just doing this for a cash grab or, you know, the, but I don't really see it that way. It's somebody had to chronicle this. And honestly, 20 years from now, people are going to be glad you did. Right. Cause to be able to sit down, start to finish and be like, this was nuts. <laughs> It's a story that sounds just out there. And if I hadn't just lived the last five years, I'd call you nuts. I wouldn't believe this happened. One of the things that was pretty remarkable uh, in terms of putting all this together. And, and so to address the, the, you know, the critiques of this being a cash grab, um, like when I started writing this book two years ago, the idea that the cut was going to come, that wasn't a reality, you know, like, Literally, the book was written with a very open-ended ending, and then Zach announced that the cut was coming, and my publisher was like, go back in and, and change it, you know, go back and rewrite. But we were racing the clock to get it done. But 
I lucked into this because I didn't know this at the time, but I understand it now. When I conducted all the interviews with the people in the movement, um, they talked to me very much from the point of view of we're still in this fight, right? Mm -hmm. So it allowed me to really capture them in the fight. Like if we tried to talk and do all these interviews now after the fact, it would be so much harder because they would just have a different mindset. They wouldn't be as, um, not quite as passionate, but like it's a different passion, you know? Like it's like trying to interview an athlete in the middle of a game versus after, you know? Well, see, now it's more of a vindicated passion. Sure. As opposed to the uh, like nose to the grindstone, ride or die, we're in it, you know, we're in it to the end. We're, we're going to see this thing through sort of fashion. And I, I'm really looking forward to picking this book up. Well, there's a lot of people, too, that were just concerned about how much credit they were going to get for the fight. And so I think when they projected on me, like me trying to take credit for the for the accomplishments of the movement, I think it was them being worried about, like, how they were going to be perceived. When I never came into this with the intention of, like, celebrating one person over the other, like, it was always about Zach and his movie. I say it, it's Zach and his movie. And the first person that tweeted released the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Great. That one person couldn't have done this whole thing. This had to have been a commute, you know, a community building event. Of course. You know, so it, it's the many outweigh the one at this point. You know, the deeds of the many, and you you offer credit to the many for getting this done. It's remarkable that Snyder has a movie like 300 on his resume, which basically, you know, tells the story of the movement, but just in a historical perspective. Right. And then years later, <laughs> he has one of his own. You know, it's very poetic in a way. Yes. Well, and at the end of the book, too, because it was open ended when I when I went into the process, one of the ways that I wanted to end the book um, was I, I solicited messages from everybody in the fandom that basically said, like, if you had a message you wanted to send to Zach on the off chance that he's going to pick up this book and I, he has copies of the book now, I know for a certain that he's got them. Um, what message would you like to tell him? And I got I got messages from fans all over the globe, literally from all corners of the globe, talking to me about how passionate they were about his movies, how much his films meant to them, how much of the DC characters meant to them. And it was overwhelming. Like it was just an overwhelming flood of enthusiasm and passion for this man's films. And so um, I'm, I left them all in there because even though when they gave, when the book got a better ending, which was the, the movie coming, I'm still not going to pull these messages. They're too important. And right. so, you know, I think people will be able to pick this up years from now and get to that section and be like, oh, damn, that's right. Like this guy's movies were super important to a lot of people. Yeah. Hey, we'll be right back with Sean and more about his book after a quick word from fellow fans of the Snyder Cut movement and our friends over at the Crawlix podcast. Stay tuned. In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the Internet. One podcast, the Grawlix podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? 
Oh yes, the Grolux Podcast. Listen to it at GrolixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. And we are back. Be sure to check out Grolix Nights, a weekly live show put on by the Grolix Podcast on Facebook every Thursday night around 8.30. That's Facebook.com backslash Grolix Podcast. We left off talking about the letters in the back of your book. So you had fan involvement, obviously, throughout this whole process. Did mm-hmm. you meet any like resistance from anybody when you were researching and chronicling everything that's happened since the beginning of, you know, hashtag release the Snyder Cut? I didn't meet a lot of resistance, but I met a lot of people who had, had a lot of questions about my motivation. Uh, they were really cautious about telling the story or turning over information to a journalist because they'd been burned by journalists in the past. And there were even some instances where they gave really positive interviews to top outlets. And then that pieces that came out afterwards twisted their words. So I, I didn't meet anybody who was overly like, I'm not going to talk to you, but I, I had to really sit down and, and talk with them first about like what my intentions were going to be before we even got to the interview stage. Well, and I say, and that touches on, you know, like we mentioned earlier, the, uh, the, the controversy behind all this, because there was people with the best of intentions and a lot of them being the fans really wanted to see this movement happen. And I think a lot of media outlets really just wanted to capitalize on like the ratings grab of, you know, this is going to bring attention to our site. Sure. Because what one of the things I noticed the most, and it was my biggest complaint about release the Snyder Cut movement, was there were all these news articles everywhere. None of them up until recently were actual news. I mean, you'd go online, you get, you get bombarded with Snyder Cut news. Mm-hmm. But it would be like Zack Snyder had pizza for lunch it's like that has nothing to do with this movie or this movement or anything right and then after they wrote that they would say something along the lines of Zack snyder has a toxic fan base that you know uses every opportunity to shout for his justice right you know and then here you come along you're you know doing research for this book so i can understand people being hesitant you know to be like well we've been spurned a lot in Mm -hmm. these years so so, yeah, it, that was definitely one of my biggest questions. It was, yeah, I, I wondered how the reaction was going into this. But I understood that. Honestly, I understood that. I had no problems with trying to to convince them first to talk to me because who am I, you know, to come into the into this movement and try to figure out the story? Like, I guess I'd be hesitant if I was super protective of a movement also. So I don't. I don't fault them in the least bit for that. It just meant that, you know, it was an extra step in the process. Look, I'm doing it now for the Spider-Man book that I'm working on. Like, you can't just sit down with the directors of previous Spider-Man movies. you got to convince them who you are kind of thing. So that's what this was, too. It was convincing the movement that I was coming from a good place. What all can readers expect to find in the release the Snyder Cut book? I think you're going to get a nice mix and a good blend of behind-the-scenes movie related uh, information about what happened on the 2017 film, because I was able to go to the set back in 2016 and 
I have an interview with Zach and Debbie from that set uh, and most of the cast and them talking about what they planned on doing. And then, um, you know, having reported for Cinema Blend all these years, I've got all the stories about the this, this stuff that led through the release of the film. And then it'll pass the baton over to the story of the movement, you know, and them sort of coming to realize what had happened to the movie uh, back in 2017 and then how they put together the early seeds of the movement and got themselves organized and, and took a few trial runs with marketing campaigns and figured out what worked and what didn't work uh, and how they kept escalating their push to, to raise awareness for it. I think both of those stories are equally interesting. And then this book sort of puts them both together to tell a, a broader picture about what happened over the past couple of years. Well, so yeah, and you know, like we mentioned previously, it, there isn't just one path that this story took. I mean, there are many intersecting uh, lanes that had to happen for this story to finally reach a actual happy conclusion. I mean, honestly, I don't think without HBO doing the streaming thing, I'm not sure we would have a happy conclusion yet. No, you wouldn't. You know, I think we would still be doing the, hey, is there, isn't there a Snyder Cut? Release the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Let him finish yeah. his vision. And, and, and honestly, you're exactly right. The streaming services are making this a reality. Like it would, if it had to go to theaters, it wouldn't be able to go to theaters right now. Like most theaters aren't even open. You can't get a two hour film to play. Forget about a four hour film. But I'll even go all the way back as far as um, 2017 when the movie opened. Like let's say that the theatrical cut came out and it was fine, you know? Like it wasn't great, but it also wasn't, wildly offensive you know it was just it is what it is and the fans would kind of say like all right this wasn't you know zach's vision but it, it's a decent justice league movie you know they wouldn't be nearly as angry you know like it, that movie had to be as awful as it is in order to really get fans upset right. one of the thing that that could have changed is if warner brothers didn't put zach's name as the director on the theatrical cut. Like if that movie came out and it said directed by Joss Whedon, I think the fans would have been fired up to see Zach's version, but I don't know if they would have been nearly as upset. Like there's a lot of people still really upset that that 2017 movie has Zach's Or name on call it. it like it was directed by Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz I mean yeah, that true. that's truly really what it was was it was directed by Warner Brothers. I mean, you know, it at, at that point it didn't really matter who was in the director's seat. Warner Brothers wanted to call the shots. Sure. Yeah. And it didn't work. No. Yeah. And I, I mm. think, and I, I could be wrong, but I mean, you've seen, you know, in, in your time as, you know, a critic and, you know, as, and a fan, you know, I think DC's biggest problem and not DC, Warner Brothers' biggest problem is that they don't have a like Kevin Feige type person overseeing the DC universe. You know, there isn't one person or even one department really in charge of making sure all the movies are going down the same path. And I think that's where there's that big disconnect with fans. Yes. And I think it sort of proves that the Marvel model and Kevin Feige in particular um, are the exception, you know, that sort of proves how difficult this is to do. Like... Not just DC, which has tried, but look at like the Harry Potter franchise can't keep it on on the rails after that franchise is over. Like no one cares about Fantastic no. Beasts. You know, Universal tried to put together a Dark Monsters universe. I uh, say the, the the Dark Universe. Yep. 
Yeah. It's not easy to put these together, you know, like Paramount took a swing with Transformers and, you know, they had some successes and some some flops, um, but it's just not easy. And what Marvel did and, and is continuing to do is pretty remarkable. I thought for a little while, you know, prior to what we knew about Jeff Johns, I thought Jeff Johns would try to be that guy. You know, I thought that he would try to be someone with a foot in the comic book world but he just doesn't understand how to make films necessarily the way that Feige at least knows both the comics and the film side. Right. Um, and that's a tough balance to find. That's a really hard mix to get. So. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's, I think it's going to boil down to finding the right person who, like you said, understands both film and comics. And I think, I mean, DC and Warner brothers have all the makings for a fantastic universe. Mm-hmm. And HBO just dangled this great carrot in front of us with the release of Zack's vision. Right. And, you know, as of, you know, this interview, there's no foreseeable movement to move forward with it. And it's like, what are you thinking? I mean, it's laid out for this gorgeous future, you know, future projects, whether, I mean, whether Zack's involved or not, you know, just story-wise, it's laid out beautifully, and it's it almost feels like a giant fu from Warner Brothers. Like, well, you got it. Now leave us alone. You know. Well, but see, it's it's. I've been saying this so long. It's not an fu. Like the fight was to get this version out. Right. You know, this film. That's the fight. So this is a win. You know, like. I know that the conversation was immediately going to shift to, okay, but what's next? And that's, I get it, but that's not a hundred percent. No, I know. Like the fight was always put this version out. And, you know, it's like I said earlier, it's definitely in that wheelhouse of, you know, leave us wanting more like it should be. I mean, it's true. And leave us wanting more in the good way, not like the theatrical, theatrical cut, like, where's the movie you know in in this case it's you know we were left wanting more like oh come on give us more you know we need more but you you figure twitter has already shifted to restore the snyder verse and it intrigues me that you know we've as a fan base and as a community have already shifted gears to uh you know restore the snyder verse right after Actually, it was before this movie came out. It was after this was yes. announced. And, I mean, it's like, this. who's to say Zach even wants to move forward? I mean, look at all the headache he's had. Yeah, that's a huge question. Yeah, I don't know if he wants to dive back into it. I don't know if the cast wants to dive back into it. You know, they a lot of them have projects in the DC universe already. Right. Like, Momoa's moving on, Ezra's moving on, Gal's moving on. Ben's going to have a part in the um, in the Flash movie, but does he want to come back and tell, like, the one that's most tantalizing to me is the Deathstroke, you know, Lex Luthor yeah. tease. That's up that amazing sort of Deathstroke Batman movie. Yeah, I mean, if we never see Nightmare Scenario, I'm good with that. Seeing Batman team up with Joker, eh, you know, that tease was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure a full movie of that would be as good as that little. Here, have a sample. Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah. But you're right. I definitely want to see Deathstroke and Lex team up and raise some hell together. That absolutely could be um, like a six episode series on HBO Max. You know, it doesn't have to be a film. Um, They could start working on it next. It could be like the Green Lantern, you know, core series that HBO Max is going to do or that Gotham Police Department show that they're going to do tied to Pattinson's universe. Like you could do HBO Max DC well, series. And that's one thing DC has always done well is their, their their TV universe has always been outstanding. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know where the disconnect has fallen from the TV universe to like big screen, but they, they, they managed to get TV universe really well. And then somehow when they go to big screen, they get scared. I, I've never understood that. but Those different showrunners, man, I'm telling you, it makes a big difference. Your your book's been met with, I mean, you're what, number one on Amazon right now in your category. Yeah, that's insane. That's insane. I'm, I'm so thankful for everybody. I mean, their support has been unbelievably great. You know, you put it out there into the world. You, I, I worked really hard on it. I tried my best to tell the full story. But, you know, it's it very easily could have just been rejected by the fans. They could have just said, oh, you got it wrong. This wasn't it. You know, nice try. You know, I got a lot of flack heading up to it about it being a cash yeah. grab and all this jazz. I'm not saying that you ever really start to believe that because uh, I knew what my the reasons for getting into it were. But what's to say that that didn't become the, the driving narrative of this book, right? Like, what's to say that the majority of the people didn't turn around and say, like, oh, yeah, no, this is it's inaccurate. It doesn't tell the full story. So. So to see the reaction be the complete opposite of that and, you know, to have people say that it's a, a companion piece to the movie is is that's the greatest thing I can ever I say. Yeah, some of the things I've seen on Twitter, it's like there's been pieces where it's like, do I watch the movie? Do I read the book? Do I watch the movie? Do I read the book? It's like, well, if you have the book, read the book, then watch the movie. You'll appreciate the movie a little bit more. I also do hope that like after people watch the movie and they realize how much better it is that you know that they ask themselves like what happened on this you know uh how like they might have a passing knowledge of the fact that that snyder got screwed over so badly but that if they are wondering how you know or what really went down then the book is sitting there waiting for them to pick up and catch up and that's that's actually a conversation a friend of mine and i had yesterday my friend billy We, we were talking about the movie and when you go back and you watch it there are certain scenes where you watch it and you have to ask yourself how could anybody cut these out what you know watching mm-hmm. these what would possess you to cut these out of the movie like which one what jumps out at you like the fight scenes with uh steppenwolf steppenwolf towards the end you know just okay a, a lot of the you know scenes building up to that and the way it was sh- you know shot the way that was all shortened in the theatrical cut you know, it, it it was watered down, but you get to the Snyder Cut, there's it feels like there's real stakes. There's, you know, you're invested and you're just you're, you're watching this sweeping fight, this gorgeous fight take place. And you're like, who in their right mind? And I think that's the key. The right mind um, mm-hmm. would look at this and say. No, we don't need that. Right, right. Nobody needs to see that. Yeah, I don't know, man. They were just gutting it as best they could, you know, and trying their best to start over and remove the director's fingerprints, which were, you know, all over them, and and they wanted to go in a different direction. It's been, you know, really vindicating 
to have people call out, you know, over the past couple of days, how, like, why didn't this, why wasn't this version the one that we saw? Right. I think it's been really eye-opening. You know, of course, the people who have followed the movement know, and they know, they knew how much better it was going to be. But to see general audiences, you know, come out and uh, having seen it say, like, just, you know, this is so much better. How come we didn't see this? It's it's refreshing. Say, and I, I tend to fall into that second category because it's, you know, it, it's kind of been a running joke on my show where, you know, when I'm interviewing somebody, if, you know, there's something that they never got done. I was interviewing uh, Eric and Julia Leewald, the showrunners from uh, X-Men, the animated series. And okay. there was a uh, season of a show they worked on that the, you know, it got cut short and I was like, damn it. You know, I really wanted to see that. So I was like, you know, screw the Snyder cut. Let's see this, you know? And okay. one of those is like, you know, might stand a chance of actually seeing this, you know? And yeah. having now watched the release of this movie, I, I can't say enough how glad I am this movie got released. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I mean, yep. as a creator and as a fan of, you know, Zach's works, I am glad he got to go back and finish his vision. Because, so after everything that happened, for him to be able to go back and sit down and say, we're going to do this, we're going to do this my way and put out what I wanted to put out the first time can't beat it so true everyone who wants to know the full story can pick up your book on amazon of you know book of the same name release a snyder cut and like you mentioned you're working on another book which <laughs> um figure we can talk about a little bit and then i'll bring you on another time we'll talk about a little bit more in depth uh you're working on a spider-man book so yeah and spider-man is my guy um like i i that's my that's my character that I grew up on. And I got into the Snyder Cut story because I was fascinated with how this all played out. Um, and I never thought that I would write a book, but I now realize that, like, I just enjoy having a book as a project to work on in my downtime, essentially. So, you know, you finish the book and your publisher turns around to you and says, like, well, what else do you have? So I start to noodle it through and I thought, like, you know, I'm obsessed with Spider-Man. I love I love the Spider-Man movies. And I think that there's a lot of really interesting stories to tell from his production run through Hollywood also. I started to do some thinking about it. And I realized that in this golden age of comic book movies, I think Spider-Man is, is the most successful and most influential character that we have right now. Um, he bridges multiple studios, you know, in a way that other characters do not. Uh, he's an Oscar winner with in, Into the Spider-Verse, you know, and, and he's breaking down uh, new barriers that way. There's constant debates about who your favorite Spider-Man interpretation is, whether it's Toby or Andrew or, or Tom Holland. And just the stories about how Sony tried to get him up and running and then had to finally give up and trade him over to Marvel. Like, I think that there's some really fascinating stories. You can tell fascinating stories just about the Mark Webb movies right. you know in and of themselves so it's my goal to try to figure out all these stories like i'm trying to get everybody on record and talk to all the people who worked on these movies behind the scenes and and get them to tell us what happened to shailene woodley when she was going to play mary jane and what happened to sam raimi's spider-man 4 you know that he was going to do with mysterio and the vulture and you know what happened when disney and, and sony almost blew up their deal and and didn't you know decide to share spider-man anymore i think there's a lot of really fun and interesting stories to tell and um, i'm going to try to pack them all into this one book you're gonna untangle spider-man's web and put it into a uh, <laughs> another book 
I'm going to try my best to. I'm going to try my best to. You have number one book on Amazon. You have Spider-Man coming out later on. Anything else you're working on right now? or? Um, I have a Real Blend podcast, which we do on a weekly basis. And depending on when this comes out, our chat here, we're going to have Zack Snyder on the show um, coming up on Monday uh, of March 22nd. Yeah, I think we're so going to drop it around the same time. <laughs> okay, cool. So after you listen to me here, go over and find uh, go go find uh, the Real Blend podcast, R-E-E-L. And we'll have Zack Snyder as a guest, and he's going to be doing a, a spoiler deep dive into the Snyder Cut. And that podcast has really just become a really fun place for directors to come hang out. And so, um, you know, give us a subscribe, bookmark us, check us out often, and and we'll keep doing entertaining shows. I'll try and stay in the in the in the wake of Paul here. And listeners, you can find links to his book and the uh, podcast in the episode description for easy access. You can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com or on Twitter at Moose Media Inc. And see, you're on Twitter as well. I am. I'm at Sean underscore O'Connell. Apparently, there's a huge MMA fighter who has my name also. And uh, he gets way more social media buzz than I do. So, so I get the underscore. Sean, I just want to thank you for coming on, talking about the book. I'm glad it's a as big of a success as it was i'm sure after five years of painstaking research and interviews you're about as happy as can be that it was as well received yeah this has been a good run i'm really really happy about this thank you paul appreciate it you're more than welcome and you know listeners there's a lot of good podcasts out there and unless you heard it here or on real blend it's probably just a load of bull spit (laughs) so until next time Take it easy. Ooh-wee. That sure was some bull spit. But I sure had fun. Junior, you need some help. Be sure to tune in next time. 